put whatever policy you want out there. We actually have to model that behavior, me and Jeff and, and, and the rest of our leadership team. This is The Playbook. I have the dynamic duo. That's right, Jeff Rader and Andy Katz Mayfield here with me. They are the co-founders and co-CEOs, which is not an easy chore, of the incredible Harry Zinc. Um, and man, have you two done it. You guys have grown. I went from a big fan of a small company to seeing you everywhere. I used to have to explain to them, you know, when I talked about Harry's, they thought I was talking about me at the swimming pool. But uh, now everybody, <laughs> everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, what do you think, guys, you know, has allowed you to scale so quickly? But also, you know, it's one thing to put the products on the shelves. It's another thing to have people buy those products. But the awareness to the brand is exceptional. Yeah. Well, thanks. I like being called the dynamic duo. That's, uh, that's a good, uh, good moniker for us. Um, you know, there's a bunch of reasons. I think, um, it probably boils down to, you know, our mission as a company is create things people like more, which, um, sounds kind of simple and obvious in, uh, in theory, but if you actually look at the sort of massive products that are out there, um, you know, across consumer packaged goods. There's a lot of stuff that people don't actually like more and it's created for other reasons. And so, you know, for us, that's like really letting the consumer, you know, guide us. And as the original consumers of the Harry's brand and like, you know, designing, um, you know, shaving and grooming products under the Harry's brand, um, that appealed to us as consumers. Um, you know, we try to stay really true to that approach and, and that mission. And now we've got, a family of brands. So we've got Harry's, we've got Flamingo, um, we've got Cat Person and uh, a brand Lumi we just acquired. Um, and I think the thread uh, across all of those is really just kind of this maniacal focus on on the consumer and what they need and, and trying to design and develop for them, um, which uh, is the North Star for us. And figuring out that North Star, Jeffrey, you know, being co-CEOs, co-founders, uh, it's probably worse than being married. Um, <laughs> because there's extra added uh, persistence on the relationship, but you're choosing these customer centric brands. You're choosing a frequency that I see is very similar with all your brands and including headquarters, by the way, uh, Andy as well, which I like. Um, these are all frequencies. How do you guys decide between one another? Because you're doing such a great job of holding the higher level, the higher frequency, the higher vibration, when people see your products, they, they feel it. They don't just look at it and, and purchase it. You, you feel the brand. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great question. So on co-founders, it's, it's awesome to have a co-founder also. I mean, um, as long as they have more money than you, that's what I, found. I, <laughs> I like, I like, I like a co-founder with more money than me. That makes it yeah. easier. That's why I had like Warren, Warren moon was my partner. I'm like, dude, you're loaded. This is perfect. Right. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I sometimes feel like we should just have an email that's like Jeff and Andy at Harry's.com. Uh, or it really should be at AOL or it's like, yeah, you know. AOL, <laughs> exactly. um, but, um, but uh, no, I mean, it's hard to build a company and can be lonely sometimes. And having a, a life partner to go through that with is really, really helpful. Um, and it's also helpful because I think we um, very much see eye to eye on, on so much. Like when you just asked that question around like, well, what makes Harry's different and special? I was like, great things people like more. And I knew Andy was going to say great things people like more. And so in some ways, because we've worked together for so long and, you know, built this company together in such an intense way, like we're, we're very much aligned in how we want to build the company moving forward. And therefore we can cover more surface area across more brands and do that together. Um, 
And so, you know, for example, today I spend more of my time, you know, working with Harry's and Flamingo and headquarters, which are brands that are, you know, fundamentally rooted in sort of people's personal care routines, getting ready every day. And let's say, you know, some of the R and D things that we learn on Harry's, we can take into Flamingo and headquarters and vice versa. And, and so there's synergy between those and we can help to sort of, you know, make one plus one plus one equal more than three. And then Andy's spending more time on, you know, with Lumi, which just acquired and cat person helping to ensure that they're living those, that mission too. And so it's nice to have uh, a co-founder and the ability to be really highly aligned and then to try to sort of cover more surface area together sort of to, to try to live this mission. Um, and so I think that's how we've kind of been able to make it work. And with this extraordinary growth, you guys also have your own labs, right? And so you have Harry Labs. How, how does the labs factor into the growth? And how do you balance that with the current CPG products and future ones uh, that you're having? Because you have to have a great balance as you're growing quickly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the way we've sort of you know structured the the company is we are trying to build like a modern CPG company. Um, and if you think about a company like PNG or Unilever, that's got, you know, a bunch of brands, um, you know, if a, if a company like that were getting built today um, with modern brands and a modern technology platform, you know, what would it look like? And that's really kind of how we envision Harry's. And so we've got our brands that, you know, sort of people are a little bit more mature that people know like Harry's and Flamingo, and they've still got tons of room for growth. Um, and as Jeff mentioned, he spends a lot more time with those brands and helping them figure out like, how do they, uh, you know, increase distribution through different channels? How do they increase um, expansion into new products and new categories? How do they expand in new geographies? Um, and then we've got a lot of interesting ideas and, and sort of um, excitement around the future. And they're not all our, all our ideas. In fact, many of them are not. Um, you know, occasionally we might have a good idea, but I think there's a recognition and reality out there that there's a lot of people with interesting ideas and entrepreneurs who um, could use some support and some um, and, and benefit from the platform that we've built um, to, to help kind of scale and grow. And so that's really what Harry's Labs focuses on is, is the future and the next thing. And that could be brands that we incubate and develop on our own. And it could be brands that we partner with and or acquire. Um, so I mentioned we just bought this brand called Lumi, um, which uh, is an amazing brand um, focused on um, body odor for women and uh, a really passionate founder who's an OBGYN who saw this problem and invented this product. Um, and she thought, you know, we would be a great partner for her to help take that brand from what's already been a lot of success and traction kind of to the next level. So that's what the labs organization focuses on is, um, incubation and, and acquisition of, of new brands and opportunities. And then for us as a team, it's so exciting to have an inspirational founder like Shannon and Luby come into the company and like learn from her and think about what she's done and, and a wonderful way to build that business. And then, you know, take that inspiration back to the rest of our of our other brands and businesses. It's been super fun. And you guys have implemented, you know, one of the things I take pride in in my own company is living by values and practices. Uh, it's great to say, you know, everyone has, I have very simple mission statements, but implementation, you know, of different modeling values, practices, you guys have your own approach. I think it's the how to hybrid model, whatever it may be. I'm more interested not in the model, but in how you implemented during COVID, especially you know, any type of modeling, any type of values yeah. or practices to the entire team. Yeah. Well, I think on values first, I agree. Anyone can write a set of statements on a wall, but it takes a lot of intentionality to truly live them. 
And, um, and we care a lot about our, our values at Harry's. We have four there improve always, which means we can always get better and grow together. We're a growing company. It's really important that we do that. Embrace the mammoth in the room, which just means we embrace open and honest and direct conversations. We actually use that discussion and that term with each other as we're talking like, hey, I got to embrace the mammoth and then just sort of say something that's direct and open and honest. It creates a safe space to have really good dialogue so that people aren't gossiping in the hallways or like we're saying it in the room and we're talking through it and we're, mo and we're moving forward and then improving always. Um, all in all together, which is about really a devotion to doing what's best for the, for the business, being a great teammate to other people, lifting people up seeing an opportunity to drive the Harry's forward and going and taking it. And then look left to find right, which is all about understanding the status quo. The status quo makes sense. There's no pride in reinventing the wheel. But when, it, when we don't think it makes sense, don't be afraid to take a huge, bold, disruptive risk and, and do something else in the world. And so that's what those mean. And then the question is like, well, how do we integrate them into our culture on a daily basis? I think we've found it really valuable to do a couple of things. One is to build it into our recruiting process. So when you recruit for a role at Harry's, we're sort of thinking about, hey, can you do this job well? Like, you know, in the next year, here are the things you've got to kind of do to be successful. Are you going to be set up well to do those things? And then are you going to do those in a way that's consistent with our values? And we have specific people test and talk about, you know, um, there are each of those things. And then when we're debriefing on folks, we talk about, hey, like, how are they going to do at the what? And how are they going to do at the how? And the how is all about our values. Same thing with our performance reviews. Our performance reviews are 50-50, 50% on, you know, did you deliver the objectives you had to deliver? And then 50% on, did you do those in a way that's consistent with our values? And so as we build those things into sort of the fabric of the company, it just creates a set of behaviors that then people really understand and expect from each other, which we think has been so valuable and important, especially during a time like the pandemic, where we haven't been able to be with each other as much, where some of the tribal cultures that just naturally form through human interaction were harder to replicate. Um, and then on top of that, we just tried to be intentional about what was going on in people's lives during the pandemic, which is hard. Like, you know, um, and we did things, you know, mental health for the Harry's brand is really important to us. And we realized at some point that people were taking less vacation than, you know, they used to because they, you know, like couldn't really travel anywhere. And so it's like, oh, I'm gonna take a vacation in like, you know, my living room. Um, and so, and even when they were taking vacation, they were still plugged in. And so, First, what we did is we said, hey, we're going to make people take days off. Like, you know, two days a month, we really encourage people to take off. We realized that even when people are taking those days off, if other people were working, they still, because they couldn't go anywhere, were kind of reasonably plugged in. And so we said, we're actually going to shut the whole company down for two days a month. And, and you know, I remember I had a people literally sending an email to our leadership group being like, we can read who sends emails on these days. If you send an email on these days, I want to talk to you about it and why it was so important to disrupt this really important moment for our company to send an email. And it was like a really powerful message. And so we actually shut down and then gave people a minute just to kind of like take in everything that was going on in the world and do the things that they needed to do to care for themselves. And so, you know, that's an example. We did a bunch to try to sort of support the team, but um, we felt like, you know, what helped us manage through the pandemic probably were, were two things. One, being really clear on, you know, sort of how we wanted to work with each other. And then two, really listening to people and trying to support them in ways that would be good for them. Um, and we're still trying to take that um, you know, into consideration as we're now bringing more people back to the office. And Andy, you know, listening to that and me have run so many different companies and these are extraordinary uh, ideas and extraordinary cultural practices that help, but there's always the outliers, right? There's always the individuals, you know, if I'm, if I'm working for you, right? I'm someone that feels comfortable working, right? Call it activity. I get paid for every day, but I vacation every day. And in fact, in my company, I shifted the paradigm during COVID and said, 
you know what? Everyone's on the unlimited vacation. You just let me know when you're not available, but you better not be available a lot of the time, right? And I don't care. And it's all paid. So don't worry about it. But as you're sitting there listening, because as a third party, when somebody's articulating these kind of things, what, co what comes to your mind uh, as, you know, you're looking at improving or the successes or failures of these great ideas that you guys are implemented. There are no perfect ideas. And I can tell your face, you're kind of looking around and thinking about it. What, what was in your mind is, is you're talking about these great ideas that are being implemented. Are, are, are there some other things that you want to do or something that may be falling short of what you want? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's, yeah, all this stuff is easier said than done. Um, I think what Jeff said is, what we try to do, which I think if we're being honest is hard and a lot of companies don't really do is equally balanced like the what and the how. So it's like, okay, 50% is the what, like the actual results, the accomplishments and 50% is how you do it, the behavior, that's the values. And, you know, I think in most companies, if we're being honest, like, I don't know, it's probably 80% the what, right? It's like, all right, if you're a star performer and you're getting the work done, like people sort of look the other way. They're like, yeah, that guy's kind of a jerk, but you know, whatever, he's super <laughs> Um, and, um, you know, I think that it constantly takes like discipline and calibration to come back and be like, no, actually that's, you know, <laughs> like, great. Congratulations. I'm glad we got that, you know, product listed at retailer X, but like, you know, the way that we worked with our cross-functional partners and doing that, like, wasn't actually exemplary and, and providing that feedback. So, um, and I think relatedly, and maybe you were sort of alluding to this, like, I think that it starts with me and Jeff and, and then the rest of our leadership team. And um, you take something like vacation, right? And if you could, you could put whatever policy you want out there, but if you're not actually modeling that behavior, like if I'm sending an email on Sunday night um, to, to somebody, you know, that's going to cause a bunch of stress and anxiety for them and like ruin, you know, their Sunday afternoon or whatever, because now they're thinking about the email that I sent, like, I could tell people to like unplug on Sunday, but it's just going to be lip service. And so, you know, I think for us, um, and again, by no means are we perfect, you know, model citizens here, but like, it's like, all right, if we're going to tell people to take vacation and take time off and, and take time for mental health and well-being, like we got to do that. We actually have to model that behavior, me and Jeff and, and, and the rest of our leadership team. So I think those are the couple of things that come to mind that, um, you know, actually make this go from like kind of aspirational lip service to, to, to practice. And last question for you both, you know, you seem to have come from my mom's genre of the fetuses and fully developed till after graduate school, doctor, lawyer, failure, uh, you're extremely academic and, and intelligent individuals. And, you know, with my friends on the entrepreneurial side, I see both sides of the cultural fence of entrepreneurs, uh, you know, the Gary V's of the world, and you know, many others uh, that I would bet millions of dollars on to be successful as entrepreneurs. Um, but I believe that what makes Gary so successful and both of you so successful and the people that we work with so successful is a thirst for learning. And there's different ways of learning, although there are some benefits of going to the better schools, both Ivy Leaguers, obviously, and surrounding yourself with the right people and the right ideas. Um, I'm always one for education. So I'd love for you to give me your perspective on how you're applying you know, your high level of education to what you're doing today in the entrepreneurial world and what people should look for in a pragmatic sense of, hey, if I'm gonna spend all this money, borrow all this money or take a scholarship, here's the benefit of, of going to a better school. And it's not right for everyone, but I love getting 
you know, people like yours opinion who have been educated at the highest level and give the real scoop on, you know, why that's so valuable and, and where it may not be so valuable and why people like Gary and others don't have to go to Stanford or Harvard or Wharton in order to be successful. Yeah. Maybe I can start any and then I'd love your thoughts. Sure. Um, and I'm going to start with kind of a, maybe an interesting point of view that I, I guess I've had. So yeah, I was super fortunate to get to go to business school at Wharton and I got to start Warby Parker when I was there with three close friends and it changed my life. And so I'm a huge believer in that experience because it was such a, an amazing experience for me, which was really driven. The institution is unbelievable, but the people at the institution are also unbelievable. And it's those individuals, the professors and the my classmates who I got to know in like a really authentic way, not like, hey, I'm in this class studying like the cola wars of Coke versus Pepsi, but like, no, I got a real business problem I got to work on. And like, can you help me? That was like so meaningful for me. And I think it's those that group of people that's been really helpful for me over the course of my career. Cause it's someone I can call, you know, and be like, Hey, I, I don't know. And like, you might've seen something like this. And so you don't have to go to one of those institutions to meet those people. And someone like Gary V who's an amazing person just, you know, is great at meeting people and learning from them. And so that that's that, but for me, at least it created a bit more of a structured environment to get to meet amazing people who I could learn from and continue to learn from. With that said, when we started Harry's, I'd never managed more than like two or three or four people before in my life, you know? And so, and all of a sudden we had like a team of 20 and then a 30 and then a 50. And I was like, I have, I am way out over my skis. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and one of our values again is improve all. I was like, I got to grow, you know, in, in an environment like Harry's, your job kind of changes every six months, maybe even more often in Harry's joining Harry's as a 10 person startup with essentially zero structure when we started is completely different than joining Harry's today. Like we're with a thousand people and, you know, we're much more, I think for better and worse, I think, you know, sort of clear on where we're going and how we're getting there, et cetera. And so what I did to try to help myself grow, is like, I got a coach, like, and I still, you know, over time, Annie and I have both worked with leadership coaches just to help us learn. Like, and then I talked to a ton of other people, you know, who are in the same position as I am. I'm like, how did you deal with this? How do you run your meetings? Like, you have these direct reports. This is a tricky issue. Like, what did you do? You know, and I think that while school is an amazing place to learn and to meet amazing people, like what I found most important on this journey is to continue to sort of take that philosophical approach that I, that I feel like we took early on at Warby Parker Business School and connect with other people and be really opening, open to learning and growth. Like I've had to learn and grow so much in my role. And I have to do that to continue to be you know, a good leader, hopefully of this company. And, um, and so that's like something that I've really taken to heart, I guess. I yeah, know. Jeff, I think you meant, you mentioned something, you know, I'm blessed to coach a ton of Ivy leaguers and my siblings all went to the Ivy leagues. I have five of them. And it yeah. was been always a chip on, I was a Tom, Tom Brady of school, right? I always had a chip on my shoulder because <laughs> I didn't go to the Ivy leagues because they wouldn't let me play football. So I went to Occidental, but what I find is the open-minded people, whether or not and where you were not. I, I felt like an imposter early on in my coaching career because I was around these extraordinary intellects. And I'm like, why, why would they pay me for advice? Like to teach them anything. They, they went to Wharton, they went to Harvard, Stanford, wherever. But uh, open mind is that common denominator uh, that I see as well. Andy, as well, what to you comes to mind uh, in this education realm for entrepreneurs today? You know, considerations or things that maybe you're aware of now that can help some young entrepreneurs making, you know, real economic decisions of whether to go to school or not. Yeah. I mean, I think that 
learning and like continuous improvement is much more of a mindset and a practice. And right, you know, Raider mentioned that and Harry's like improve always is one of our values. That's because, you know, Jeff and I like, like I'm happiest when I'm learning new stuff. Um, and I do think that mindset is really important to success. Um, and I don't think you need to go to a fancy college to like do that. I think as Jeff mentioned, those environments um, create a platform, you know, where you can take advantage of that. Um, but, you know, maybe to, to talk about my own personal experience, like, you know, when I went to Duke undergrad and, you know, I was reasonably immature when I went to Duke I was 18 years old. And if I'm being honest, like the reason I wanted to go there was because I wanted like a stamp on my resume. And that was like, you know, an affirmation that, you know, I went to a good school and therefore could get a good job and whatever. And I didn't, take as much advantage of like the educational environment there to opt in. This is not that Duke's not a great school. It is. It's just like, was it worth it for me? I don't know. I probably could have gotten the same education anywhere because I wasn't mature enough to like take that mindset, you know, contrast that with my, you know, my business school experience. And I went to Stanford for business school and I was mature enough to like take advantage of everything that I had to offer. And it was an amazing experience as a result. So I think those places can be create great environments to learn and they are not necessary. And a lot of people go to those places for the wrong reasons, which is like, you know, resume stamp collection and or a Jewish assure, mom. What's that? Or a Jewish mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I can assure you, once you get to a certain stage, I hope my mom's career, listening. <laughs> like it doesn't matter what nobody cares when you're in school. Yeah. Nobody cares. You right. Like, yeah. you know, and so you know, you can there's lots of different paths um to to getting an education. And I, and, and I think the main thing is committing yourself to actually getting an education and being humble enough to, you know, realize that, you know, at every stage of life, you've got a lot to learn and, and, and seeking out that knowledge, whether it's through, you know, you know, a prestigious institution or whether it's through other channels or means. That, that's right. Yeah. I mean, the great organizations are highly meritocratic and they, be, they are meritocratic on day zero, which means you've got to come in and do an awesome job. And part of doing an awesome job is continuing to like, I would hope that Harry's is a really good place for people to come learn. But I think to Andy's point, like, and I, and, I, and hopefully Harry's also an okay sort of stamp on someone's resume, you know, but, and like, I would hope that people come to Harry's and get the most they possibly can out of their experience. And we do not care, like come day two, where people went to school, day zero. Like we are interviewing people on, can you do the job? Have you proven in some place in your life that you can do this job and you're going to do it in a way that's sort of consistent with our values. And we want like a hugely diverse group of people coming in to go do that so that they can teach and learn from each other. Like that's, I think the hallmark of greater organizations. And so, yeah, I think to Andy's point, amazing if you take advantage of those learning opportunities at those places and they're amazing places. Like they've got good reputations for a reason and like amazing to come, you know and you can learn so many other ways in the world. It's really, you kind of choose your own adventure and probably more now than ever, which is so interesting. I find that interesting as well. And I think it's aligned with your mission to create things people like more. You're creating a place to work that people like more. It's yeah. that simple. And you guys do such a great job of it. And I do think, you know, with the educational institutions, if you take advantage of the situational knowledge that you can gather there, if you're mature enough, which I wasn't as well, Andy, when I was 18, I just wanted to play football and Occidental was the only place that let me play. Yeah. Uh, and then I found out, whoa, this place is a serious place that can really improve me. But then I also learned about relationship capital. And, you know, as I raised money in the 90s, hundreds of millions of dollars in Sand Hill Road, you know, I started looking at, wow, the Stanford place, it sure has a leg up in relationship capital than going to a 1500 person Occidental College. 
uh, and saw that side of it. Not that you can't get situational knowledge. And as you said, you know, like my friend Gary V, excellent at, at relationship capital. And uh, but I love the fact that you live by your mission internally and externally by providing a place where you can create things that people like more to work with or activity you get paid for, but also provide things to others uh, that they like more as well. You guys are incredible. The way you run your business, the way you're growing, uh, just everyone, if you want to model a way to scale a business, these are two great entrepreneurs that are open-minded, open-hearted, and open-handed to help others, not just internally in their company, but check them out. You'll see externally, they're, they're changing the world and changing the world of entrepreneurs as well. What a privilege and a pleasure it's been to have both of you here. Jeff Rader, Andy Katz Mayfield, co-founders, co-CEOs of Harry's Inc. and their multiple brands below them. Thank you so much for joining me.